Hi, I'm Karen. <laughs> you switched it up on me, so now I'm going to have to say the Crash Cast Mummies. <laughs> I did. Right, you go first. Hi, I'm Alexi. And I'm Karen. And this is the Crash Test Mummies Podcast. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome to episode four of our podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Episode four is all about stage one feeding. So we're going to be talking about breastfeeding, formula feeding, how you find it, how we found it, our experiences, and trying to sort of break the stigma behind breastfeeding in public that some people feel. And also it'll be really interesting to chat about different cultural things between the UK and the US. Can I just um, set the tone of this podcast in saying that we are completely non-judgmental people. Like we've tried all the ways for an easier life, for a happier baby. We don't care uh, how you feed your baby as long as you're looking after them. They are well fed. They have nice full tummies and they're growing well. And they're happy. So, <laughs> and they're happy, exactly. And you're happy because that's just as important. So true, yeah. Um, shall I start by sharing my experience with the boys? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I have three boys and I'll start with Jonah who is now six. But actually I can cut to Fox as well because they were very similar. Jonah was my best feeder uh, in terms of breastfeeding. So he would feed, like we mentioned last episode, he was one of these self-soothers, but he had to use me as a dummy. Yes. But he was feeding at the same time. You've got one of those, don't you? Well, I did. He's, yeah. not, he's not doing it right now. <laughs> no. But yeah, I think that um, with Jonah, it set a precedent like it was kind of what I expected to happen with the others so I fed him exclusively for about three months and then he I introduced formula so that Chris could feed him because by about three months I was on my knees in terms of sleeping so Chris mm. said why don't we introduce some formula because I couldn't express I tried and tried and I could never get enough out that would happen to um, me too yeah. And so I gave him some formula for a nighttime feed, one in the night, one in the night and one in the day. So Chris could feed him and I could take a bit of a break. But he breastfed until he was 18 months, which I'm pleased with because that was good for him. But it did mean that when winter was really difficult with breastfeeding I was really hard on myself and I was really looking forward to breastfeeding again because I'd given up with Jonah and there had been a period of time when I wasn't breastfeeding and I really missed it and I really wanted that bond with winter and in my head I thought the bond was through the breastfeeding but actually it's not it's through the feeding so with winter he was born massive he was 10 pounds 10 I don't know if you do you use that in America it's pounds yeah okay so he was a whopper um like yeah he came out like all 
chubby face like from water retention and massive and you wouldn't believe it now because he's tiny but um because he was so big they needed to get his blood sugar levels up before we were allowed to leave hospital so they gave him formula through a tube and i i didn't like it and that's one regret that i have is that i didn't step in and say i don't want you to do that they sort of just took him away and said this is what needs to happen but because he got that first hit of formula um on day one he knew that he didn't have to work for food because it could just arrive in a tube so he i tried breastfeeding him obviously i fed him in hospital the colostrum And then I tried feeding him for about six weeks, but it was such a struggle and my ducts were getting blocked and it was painful and it was, yeah, it's just stressful. So I just had a chat with myself and I said, why are you putting yourself through this? Because you know that he will be fine on formula. I mean, I know that breastfeeding and breast milk has a lot of advantages However, if it means that you are struggling mentally, it's almost like you need to swallow your pride and get on with it. Um, And then finally, because I know I'm going on a bit, finally, um, with Fox, uh, he he was a very cuddly baby and he was quite good at breastfeeding. And we got to six months with him. And then he got chicken pox. And he got really ill and he just didn't want me anymore. And there was no weaning him off it. He just didn't want to feed. And I tried so many different things like taking a bath with him and sort of massaging and trying to keep him close or doing different tactics because I actually um, spoke to a few specialists on Instagram and they gave me some advice. But it again got to the point where I was saying, why am I punishing us both he is fine on formula, and he was. The end. Go. <laughs> okay, first I have to start out by saying that when I had Hudson, it drove me absolutely insane when people would be like, is he feeding? In my head is like, is he eating? Is he nursing? But for some reason, the word feeding like really bugged me. And I would literally say to Adam, like, stop asking if he's feeding. Like, he's not a cow. So you guys say nursing? Is he nursing? Is he eating? Okay. I've never heard anyone say that. Like, is the baby feeding? It just yeah. it sounds like a cat, like a like a farm animal to me. Yeah. It like yeah. it. Oh, and like no, postpartum when I was like really emotional and my hormones are raging and whenever someone was asking about the feeding, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> literally, like the cringe was physical. Anyway, um. So my story is totally different to Karen's, and I think that's why this podcast is so important because here we are, two women and two totally different stories, totally different circumstances, and that's the joy of motherhood. We have happy babies now, and it's okay. Um, So Hudson was born, and just like Karen said, he was a little um, barnacle baby. He wanted to be with me the whole time. He was nursing almost 24-7, and you know that was that was what made him happy he had to be nursing i remember my mother-in-law came one time and insisted to try and put him to sleep and he just screamed and screamed and screamed and it was like an hour and it was really like physically hard for me to listen to it but then you know she finally was like yeah you, obviously he really does desperately just need boob um so i nursed hudson and nursed him we went to a baby massage class when he was 3 months old and Every other baby in the baby massage class was really happy and like really enjoying getting their massages. And he was 
screaming, crying. At the time, I guess I didn't realize it because he was my first baby, but he was obviously in pain. And the midwife pulled me aside after the class and said, I think your baby has reflux and I think you need to go see the doctor because he's obviously very uncomfortable like being on his back when you're trying to massage him. And, yeah. and in that moment, I felt like the worst – I could cry right now, but I felt like the worst mom ever because here I – he was three months old and I never realized that maybe it was something else besides him just wanting to be nursed all the time and wanting to be held. Perhaps the real issue was that he couldn't be laid down. So we took him to the doctors and they said they could hear the reflux. They gave him medicine and they said I needed to either give him formula or go off dairy myself. So in the spirit of me desperately wanting to nurse, because like Karen said, I just felt like, I don't know, I, I you know, first time mom, I just really wanted to nurse him. And so I went off dairy and we put him on this medicine. The medicine made him way worse because it wasn't really intended for babies. It was intended for older children. And then he got constipated and they wanted to give him medicine for constipation. But long story short, cutting out the dairy seemed to really help. And so I was able to continue nursing him and I nursed him until he was, until I got pregnant with Presley. And I hope I'm not waffling as Karen would say, but <laughs> Once I got pregnant with You're not. Good. Once I got pregnant with Presley, I had what is called a nursing aversion. And I wanted to talk about this because at the time I literally hated myself because I felt so guilty about the fact that when I would nurse Hudson, I felt physically repulsed by him. And I didn't know why, because like we had been nursing fine, everything was happy, and then I got pregnant with Presley, and all of a sudden, I didn't want him anywhere near my breasts. <laughs> like, I was like, no, get away. And I would like lay down with him. I would try, because he was he was only nursing. The kid didn't want food. Like, he wanted to nurse. And I would, I would be laying down with him, and the, the urge to oh, – this is so hard to talk about – but the urge to literally, like, get him away from me – like the feeling of repulsion was so strong that I'd have to message Adam and say, you have to come get him. I'm going to cry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it was hard. So long story short, hmm. <laughs> I ended up stopping nursing him because I just, my body was saying no. Um, and I was also very sick. I was vomiting and I think my body just needed to keep everything for the baby. And then that's when we started weaning Hudson. He was about 21 months. So we did make it ages. I shouldn't be complaining. I think it was just the way that it happened was very heartbreaking for me because I felt like I was severing a tie myself instead of letting it happen naturally. But again, we are harder on ourselves. So for those of you who are experiencing something like that, just know that it's normal and it's painful, but it is normal. Um, Presley, I don't have much to say about Presley. She was the easiest nurser ever. She was born. She nursed. She loved it. She was happy. She slept through the night. <laughs> she was like a dream baby. Um, and I nursed her perfectly happily with no issues until she was 21 months as well. Both my kids, they nursed almost exclusively until they were about nine to 10 months. And that was when they kind of started getting an interest in food. And then both of them, neither one of them really wanted to eat food until we kind of said no more boob. And with Presley, I just stopped because I had been nursing babies and being pregnant for four years straight. And I was feeling done. I wanted to be able to have my body back. I really wanted to have a drink and I wanted to do a detox. And so selfishly, I said, enough is enough. We're going to stop now. So Yeah. Well, first of all, you're not a terrible mother. <laughs> Thanks. You... <laughs> are allowed to claim your body back after 21 months, did you say? Mm -hmm. 
I mean, yeah. yeah. But I can totally understand that it's, I mean, I think with breastfeeding, one of the things that people get so upset about is it, that it's such a unique experience that you want to have with your child. And if the reason you don't do it is because you can't or there is some sort of problem, then the choice is taken away from you. Some people make the decision before they say, I'm not going to do mm-hmm. it. And again, that's everyone's decision. However, I think that, yeah, if the choice is taken away from you, it's so much more difficult. And you've got so many emotions, don't you, mm-hmm. at that time? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's the thing is even though, you know, I did nurse them for so long, it still felt, you know, it still fe- it's still a huge milestone that yeah. you, fe- you, you fear that that relationship is going to be different. And, of course, it is, but that's just life. You're like, you can't nurse your babies till they're 20. Now, as an adult when I am intimate with my husband, my boobs are like off limits because now I'm like, uh, now I don't see them as a sexual thing. Whereas like you said, when some women that's, they're like, no, that's what they're for. <laughs> and maybe at one point they were, but now I'm like, no, don't touch them. Well, it's really, it is weird. Like it, it, it shouldn't just be like, oh, well I can take all this in my stride. This is normal because there's this serious conflict between like, baby having them and your husband having them i know and it's just weird to even think about like where it comes from and if science is true it's totally weird (laughs) but yeah now i'm like they're off limits to anyone but me at this point in my life like no babies i hate when hudson or presley puts their hand on my shoulder that's enough we're done (laughs) these are mummies yeah don't touch me totally and they're extra like ultra saggy so that's good too (laughs) chris chris is like super possessive of them like when the babies stopped feeding, he was like, right, they're mine again now. It's like, no, 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 no. They're mine, actually. Well, let's be clear yeah. about this. Mine. <laughs> my boobs. It's so funny. That was like the most liberating was when I finally got my boobs back and I was like, oh, yes, thank God. Yeah. They're mine. Yeah. And you're not you're not restricted as well. Like some of the positives about giving up feeding is like you said you can have a drink and you can go out but also you know if you need to go away mm-hmm. you don't have the pain of these huge hard boobs yeah. that you need to express. get in the shower every five minutes <laughs> no I remember having to um express I I had to go through to Aberdeen with my sister and my husband and um I left Jonah with my mum and dad and it's like a two and a half hour drive so two and a half hours there then we were there for the day and then we drove back and I was sitting in the car on the way back with like a plastic cup with my top off, like just squeezing. I know. I was like, it's so got, sexy. If we got pulled over by the police or someone, they'd be like, what is going on? Just milking myself. <laughs> um, I mean, some people are big into using breast milk in a lot of stuff. Um, and I like rice pudding for babies or when they're weaning and stuff, but I never had enough milk to express. I didn't express, but I will say like, <laughs> this is going to sound so weird. <laughs> Sometimes when I was like making the me, I would just, this is not a joke. I would like stand over the pot and like nurse it into the pot. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, they only need a tiny bit. And I also have used it for eye gunk. It's supposed to be brilliant for so many things. No, it's amazing. I've used it for so many things. And like, even if they get little cuts or something, I would put breast milk on it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in my head, I'm like, I don't know if this works, but, you know, it goes away. Your eye gunk is gone. And, you know, it's better than like touching it and just just goes away. 
Yeah, I mean, I've just typed into Google breast milk used for, and there's ear infection, acne, eye infection, baby acne, cradle cap. There's loads. Oh yeah, when Hudson had the worst baby acne ever, the breast milk was brilliant. Honestly, yeah. it was brilliant. I swear it helped soothe it so much, and I'm totally happy with that. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah, th- there is a lot of good stuff in breast milk, and yeah, it, it yeah, nothing but goodness. It's a hundred percent goodness, mm-hmm. which is yeah, why I felt a bit guilty about giving formula. But I know that these companies have you know, spent years and years perfecting this formula and it's got lots of goodness in it, but you do worry that it's not as good as breast milk, you know, like. It all just goes back to you, you know, and it's not worth, if it wasn't going to happen, Karen, it wasn't going to happen. I remember having this conversation the first time we met, actually. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Takes me back. Well, I was just going to say about winter, um, You know, he's very healthy now and he was pretty much exclusively formula. And it's not like when they're 18, you're going to look at like Jonah versus winter or Hudson versus winter and say, right, which one was breastfed? Which one was Mm -hmm. bottle fed? You know, Mm -hmm. you know, they're both or they're all healthy boys. When you were nursing or when you were formula feeding, what did you feel like? Did you feel like there was any judgment or any barriers that were making it harder for you or... In hospital in the UK, and you've obviously had a baby in the UK, the nurses or the midwives, they're not allowed to offer formula willingly. You can ask for it and they'll give it to you in those first few days after the birth, but they're not allowed to offer it to you. And what they have at night time is they have a special <laughs> feeding assistant, a midwife. Like or... a lactation consultant in yeah, America. That sounds way nicer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Feeder. Um, but yeah, she is um, really, she just goes around all the beds where the mums are with their babies because let's face it, no one sleeps in a maternity ward. Do they? Also in maternity wards in England, your husband can't stay with you, which blew my mind. Anyway. It's horrible. It is horrible. And you're in a room with like seven other mums and when their babies cry, everybody's babies cry. Yeah. And then you're crying. Because you're alone with a baby that you don't know how to take care of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I um when I gave birth to Fox, I was fine until about 24 hours later. And I went into the shower and I tore all the ligaments in my pelvis. So I couldn't walk. Like I was, I, I, I was in a wheelchair for about eight weeks. And um, because of that, I got my own room because I couldn't walk to the toilet myself. I needed someone to assist me every single time, which was awful. But I did get my own room, but Chris wasn't allowed to stay. And when I was being induced, it took ages. And he slept on the concrete floor of the hospital because he wasn't allowed to lie on a bed because it would <gasps> mess up the linen or something. And it's just crazy. When we had Presley in America, our suite it's called a suite first of all and it's like a hotel room there's like your bed and then there's a couch that pulls out into a bed for the husband and there's a private bathroom and there's like a refrigerator and a a sink no way that's brilliant I know I couldn't believe it when we went in whereas like in the UK you like start out in a room and then when it's time to have the baby they like rush you into another room to have the baby and it's like wait what (laughs) What's happening? Like, they I don't, don't even offer the husband a cup of tea. It's like 
no you're not no you're not allowed anything but when i was giving birth with uh fox the midwife snuck in a sandwich for him and i was like this shouldn't be like snuck in he's not slept he's going through you know the, mm-hmm. he might not be going through the pain and it's scary watching your wife oh totally. labor like adam said it was like one of the scariest things ever and there's nothing he can do in it that, that must be extremely scary yeah watching your wife like screaming yeah i know and i've never seen the other end but that can't be that that must be life-changing <laughs> um i'll tell you something yeah like adam's all for nhs and like it definitely has its perks but i'm like i will pay for this Mm. because i it's just you know i'm exhausted i just labored for 24 hours it's just nice to have adam there to just hold the baby for an hour while i have a nap yeah and when they can't be there you know it's just how dangerous is mm -hmm. it letting a man out into the world in the middle of the night to drive home after he's been awake for however long you know it's, it's just like, oh, I'll see it. But like Chris, you know, he left me at 3 a.m. He'd been up for two days pretty much. And, you know, he had mm-hmm. to drive because we went, we were in Exeter. So he he had to drive like 40 minutes. It was awful. Anyway, disclaimer time. When we say the podcast is going to be about feeding, that's not always the case. <laughs> but now you get to hear about two sides of birth yeah. in America and England. And they are extremely different, at least in my experience. Not, it's not better. It's different. But like in England, I felt like you're, you have a midwife and they're, like you said, the lactation consultant or whatever you said, the feeder lady, <laughs> she's in there and she's like picking up my boob, like putting in the baby's yeah. mouth. And she did not leave because Hudson took a little while to figure out a latch. She sat there for an hour, just putting it back in, taking it out, putting it back in until we got it. And also you can choose different plans in America and some of them don't include aftercare, including like a nursing, a lactation advisor. That's the one thing that I always tell people in America. When you have a baby in England, they come to your house every single day after you have the baby for what, 14 days. They check the mom. They make sure that you're healing appropriately. They check the baby. They sit there and ask how you're doing, how you're feeling, if you're having any issues. In America, once you leave the hospital, that's it until you have your six-week appointment. That's yeah, it. You that's crazy. I would be terrified if that was the case because, like, I she was like, "How are you?" I was like, "Do you really want to know?" Yes. Right. I'm worried about this. I'm worried that my scars aren't healing. I'm worried about this. Can you check this? And they're more than mm-hmm. happy to do it. And I remember mm-hmm. whatever day it is that you know you have like your baby blues where you feel super emotional, like. I just called her. I was like, you've got to come now. I need to talk to someone. And she was like, yep, no worries. And, you know, she was happy to be there. So, yeah, we are lucky in that respect, I guess. Absolutely. It's the best. And like you said, they literally are on call. And when I – we talked in the last episode about sleep. When I was having serious sleep issues with Hudson, that's when I said the midwife came. That's just someone from the hospital who is like – your friend yeah your your baby's growing up and she popped over I don't have to pay for her she came over she sat on my couch we had a cup of tea and we talked about my options for getting him to sleep Mm. you know that is something you would never get in America interesting unless you paid top dollar to get like a midwife yeah do you think that there was any pressure for you I mean you seem to take to breastfeeding really easily although that I say that but I do remember that it was really difficult for you to ca- to catch a break because Hudson was just feeding all the time mm-hmm. and you just, you couldn't 
have a break. You were on call till he was 21 months. Yeah, that, it was hard. I mean, Hudson, you'd have, sorry, you'd have to go, go read my blog post on Hudson's story for the whole story. Yeah, yeah. But Hudson was a um, challenging baby. And we didn't find out till way later how deep that challenge actually was as far as food was considered. But keep listening later for all the other food episodes. <laughs> but yeah, he was hard. And that's the other thing. And I forgot to say this. I think the biggest barrier for us was Adam. Because Adam felt like he wasn't bonding with Hudson because he couldn't feed him. And like you said, I couldn't express any milk. And the milk that I would express, we put it in a bottle. Adam would sit there, try to feed him, you know, all the things. He put my sweater on, try to feed him. And Hudson just would not take it, wasn't interested, never would take a dummy. Like my boob was the only thing. And I definitely think it put a rift between Adam and I and Adam and Hudson at the time because he felt that he was severely missing out on bonding. And I remember fighting with him about it and saying, I can't express milk. I really don't want to get formula just so that you can feed him. You know, I don't, it's what what we're doing is working and maybe it wasn't, I don't know, you know, in the newborn haze, you're just doing what you can to survive. Yeah. And I just like fighting with Adam about feeding the baby was like the last thing I wanted to do. Yeah. (laughs) But that was like, surprisingly I think that was one of the biggest issues in our feeding was that Adam felt totally out of place and that he didn't have a place in the baby's life yeah no I totally get that and I think I imagine because I'm not a man and and I am the mother that the the father does feel a little bit at a loss in those first few months because the baby depends on you they don't actually need their dad that much (laughs) they need us to feed them and um saying that the boy's did love to sleep beside Chris, like have a cuddle and uh, they would sleep well with him. However, Chris is useless at getting up in the night. Like I was going to say that. Like he can't do (laughs) it. Oh my gosh. And so like, if I hear the baby, well, when I heard the baby, et cetera, uh, I would, I would think, Chris, can you just help and get up and do stuff? But then I wouldn't be able Mm -hmm. to trust him to do it because he would just fall back asleep. So I had to just be like, do you know what? I'll do it all. (laughs) You Okay, I'm so glad you said that because that was going to be my next point was that when the baby would wake up or even if the baby's screaming, it was always the same, oh, he needs food. And I'm like, just bounce him around. Like, talk to him. Do something. Just let me sleep for five minutes. You know, like I've had him on my boob the whole night, like just walk around the house. And it finally got to the point where I was like, put him in the buggy downstairs and just walk him around the downstairs. Like I need a break, do something. And that's another call. Like when they're babies, it's like, I feel like as moms, a lot of the pressure gets put on us. Adam is such a good dad, but in the newborn phase, I think it's easier to just always divert to mom because when we have the babies, they do stop crying. It's certainly easier for us. So you fed your babies for a really long time. How did you feel about feeding in public or around family members? Mm. So with Hudson, obviously he was my first. I think every first time mom, you know, I had the cover-ups and I had the nursing bras and I had the nursing shirts and the nursing everything. (laughs) And I always put a muslin over his head, no matter how much he was fighting to whip it off his head. I was like, oh, you know, oh, you might see my nothing. But you might see my skin. Oh. <laughs> and like, I remember the first time my father-in-law came over, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to go upstairs to nurse. Yeah. And so I would, 
or even like any family members, I would like go upstairs to nurse because I just felt a little bit uncomfortable. But needless to say, by the time he was like 15 months and doing somersaults while nursing, I was just like, <laughs> yeah. sorry guys, everybody's just going to have to cope. I literally stopped caring. Yeah. Like I just, I know some people don't stop caring and like they always do the cover up, but both my kids, you know, the whipping and the snapping and the, no one's ever seen my nipple. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if they did, I don't really care that much because I think once you become a mom, you lose a lot of dignity. But I'll tell you, the person that it bothered the most was my husband, who for some reason just felt like be aware of other people. And maybe I should have been. I don't know. But I don't. Think and I so. don't. I, like I said, my nipple was never out. <laughs> <laughs> it was just skin. And so for me, it was like I'm not doing anything wrong. A girl wearing a crop top, you would see just as much as you see totally. with me. To be honest. I was so confident in my decision to nurse my kids that had anyone ever come up to me, I would have just ripped them a new one and that would have been the end of that. I would start a fight with my hormones um, raging. I I don't even care, but that's just me. What about you? Well, yeah, I'm really similar to you. I sort of started um, being quite discreet. I would be sitting in the living room of my in-law's house with my father-in-law coming in and offering me tea whilst, you know... I'm topless because I would be wearing a dress and I'd forget that it wasn't a nursing dress. (laughs) And, you know, the lovely vicar that is my husband's dad. Would you like a tea, Karen? Yes. Uh, Sorry about (laughs) the nakedness. But I actually didn't, I really didn't care, but not once... Did it, did, was he like not look? Was he like awkward around you? Like no, trying not, like looking up at the ceiling. Where was he like looking in you in the eye? Because that always bugged me. Like just look yeah. at me. No, yes. he wasn't because he had his daughters older than Chris. They had already had uh, six kids between them, and so they were always breastfeeding. But then it never occurred to me that I'm the first woman that's sort of topless, <laughs> topless feeding his house that isn't his daughter's. Yeah, I didn't consider that at the time. I just kind of, I guess, made him accept that I was doing it. So, but I, I was too nervous to, to actually feed in public and I'd be super discreet and paranoid that people were looking at me and I, but I do kind of wish I had a bit more guts to do it, but I didn't. What would you say to someone starting out with their baby? If you had a friend who was just having her first baby and wanted to know about feeding them stage one. It's so important to, I was going to say not take people's advice, but that's not it. It needs to be, you have a measure, you, you take advice, but ultimately the decision is yours and whatever decision you make is the right one because... There will always be people who are pro breastfeeding and anti-formula, but I think it's always important. You're the one who ultimately knows your baby the best and you know how you feel. Things like postnatal depression can be a huge factor in not being able to feed. And it's all about the welfare of the baby and the welfare of you. And if you're unable to look after your baby... Okay, I'm going to be brutally honest because I have said this to many of my friends and I apologize if I hurt anyone's feelings, but it's just me to be brutally honest. I would tell them to try breastfeeding. And of course, if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But I really encourage people at least those first few days to get their babies that colostrum. And I'm sorry for anyone. No. But again, if it doesn't if it doesn't work, that's a, then we're talking about a totally different thing. I don't judge anyone for choosing not to, but I just feel like 
it's something that's worth trying. Like it's, and I've had new moms come to me and say, oh, the thought of it really gives me the heebie-jeebies. And I've sat and talked to them and I said, okay, it gave me the heebie-jeebies too, having a little person on my boob where at that point in my life, that wasn't what my boobs were for. But looking back, I've now been able to feed two children and that's ultimately what they are for. And that doesn't mean that everyone can, but I think trying it is so important because you'll never have that experience if you don't give it a go. And so for me, I think that's the most important. But then, like you said, ultimately, at the end of the day, at the end of that, the time you're in the hospital or with your lactation consultant, if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But I have to say that if I were to be slightly judgy, (laughs) um, I would lean towards emphasizing the importance of having the colostrum. Like, I don't really think there's any reason why you shouldn't be giving your baby that because when they come out, it's natural. You can see that they're starting to root around and that they need that colostrum. It's, do they call Mm -hmm. it liquid gold? And your body makes it for your baby in those first like crucial days. And before your milk even comes in, like that's the, that's the good, like, stuff that's going to keep your baby going in those yeah and nine times out of ten people are feeding their babies formula because they've tried breastfeeding and there have been problems or they need to um do a top up with formula because they're not producing enough milk no you should but if you don't uh, again that's your choice you ask what i would say to someone that is what i would say good advice as well and they can take it or leave it it's it's good it's good to be honest i think people are sometimes too scared to give any opinion so they sort of sit in the middle and say I don't know be really vague it's a I mean but that's the thing breastfeeding is hard and it's a journey and you know it's one of those things that if I don't know for me it was hard but looking back it was like it was worthwhile Mm -hmm. to try I'm glad that I tried because like I said I didn't it would freak me out at first but I'm so glad that I just thought okay you know what let this woman touch her boob 15,000 times it's just a nipple totally you know but (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is such a special experience um but like I said at the beginning it's not necessarily the breastfeeding that's the special experience it's the the feeding time the quiet time and you see them looking up at you and you're feeding them and it's just so special and I'm and watching their little their big droopy eyes slowly fall asleep oh I'm getting broody again Oh, stop it. <laughs> Good. Alrighty then. Yeah. Awesome. I hope you guys enjoyed episode four. I can't believe it's episode four already. I definitely had fun chatting and I'm sure Karen did. Oh, yeah, I did. This has been really good. If you have any questions for us and things that we haven't covered in terms of nursing or formula or anything to do with this or anything at all, get in touch with us. Our Instagram is at the underscore crash test underscore mummies. Or you can email us at the crash test mummies at gmail.com. Just email us and say hi. Also, one thing we would love for you to do is if you are listening to this, please rate us and comment so that we can see what you think. And yeah, just say hi. Yeah, thanks so much for listening this long because... That's amazing in itself. We have people <laughs> listening. Yeah, exactly. I don't think my husband's listened yet. Oh, don't say that because I've been giving Adam such a hard time about not listening. He's like, oh, I went and subscribed. <laughs> I love that impression. Oh, wait, that's not enough. That's hilarious. 
Okay, see you next Tuesday. Oh wait, does that not mean? No wait, we can't say see you next. <laughs> okay, long story short, we're gonna end this podcast right now and we're gonna make another one for next Tuesday. So tune in next Tuesday. Okay, bye-bye, love you, bye. bye.